0: Father, and of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen, St. Francis of Assisi, praise our Lady, Seat of Wisdom. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, so tonight we are doing an introduction to moral theology. And we are going to follow the teaching of St. Thomas Aquinas. We're going to, um, St. Thomas wrote his uh, summary of theology, his Summa Theologiae, is divided into three sections. Really, it's four sections, but it's the Prima Pars, which talks about um, God, <laughs> the Trinity, creation, um, human beings, uh, divine providence and government, and all that. Then there's the Secunda Pars, which is broken into the Prima secundae and the Secunda secundae. Um, the prima secundae is um, general moral theology, and then the secunda secundae, uh, with the second of the second, the, the second part of the second part, is um, the specific treatment of the virtues and the vices, and then the um, specific states in life. And then the pars, the third part, is uh, treating uh, our Lord and the sacraments and the last things, but St. Thomas died before finishing the third part. So, um, when we look at moral theology, we're looking at the Secunda Pars, the second part of the Summa Theologiae, and tonight we're going to cover basically what's in the Prima Secundae, the first part of the second part, and then next week we're going to cover the second part of the second part. Just another note on some housekeeping is the way that we're going to do this, This is um, we try to have this... Uh, intellectual formation primarily open and available to uh, currently enrolled students at CCSU. And so what we're going to do is we're going to hold spots for students up until Thursday morning is what we have decided. So if you're a student and you want to come, you got to let us know by Thursday morning so we hold a spot for you. On Thursday morning, uh, probably around eight or nine o'clock, we're going to then open up however many other spots we have available and it's then free game for everyone. So that's how just a little note on Timing-wise, what we're going to do. Great. So St. Thomas begins the um, secunda pars, uh, talking about the last end. So the end of something uh, in Greek, the telos, is the uh, goal. It's what the end is. Um, what we're trying to achieve. It's it's the theolo- It's the philosophical end, goal, purpose. Uh, And so all action has a purpose. God wrote a purpose into creation for everything, and things have their particular purpose. And they act for that purpose. All things act for an end, right? So the purpose of this whiteboard marker is to write on whiteboard. And when it writes, it writes on whiteboard. If I were to take this pen and try to write on the whiteboard... It doesn't do it. That's not its purpose. Similarly, if I were to try to take my whiteboard marker and write on a piece of paper, it would do it, but not so well. Right? The end, the goal, the telos, And all things are ordered toward an end or a goal. The teleology. So what's the teleology of a table, of a chair, of a book, of a whiteboard marker, of a whiteboard, of a wall, of a pen, of a lamp, the whole thing. Human beings act for an end, Uh, we know the end for which we act. So we know that we are acting toward um, a particular end. And that our end as human beings is happiness. Um, Also, St. Thomas calls it beatitude. Which is full and lasting happiness. So everything we do we are trying to achieve happiness. You don't get to pick the end, right? The table doesn't get to pick what its purpose is. We as human beings don't get to pick what our purpose or the purpose of our actions is. Everything tends toward happiness. Every single action tends toward happiness. Beatitude. That's ultimate, final happiness. And that. The end for a human being can't lie in other things. Like power, pleasure, wealth, they don't have the stuff to ultimately fulfill us. That they don't we we the example I would use is it would be like putting water in my gas tank. Right? My gas tank was made to run on gasoline. My car was made to run on gasoline. If I try to put water in my car, it doesn't run, it doesn't work. Um we were made to run on happiness. And so therefore, if we try to find that happiness in things that don't work, our ultimate happiness will lie in God. Um, that is, God is the source of all of our being, and he is the goal, he is the telos, he is the final end. And the human being will only be ultimately happy in being filled by God himself. That's the only way that we can achieve the full and lasting happiness for which we were um, created. Now, when we act, we um, have the ability to choose means to our end. So you can't pick the end, but you can choose the means. And we can choose various means. So, for example, you have all chosen as a means of attaining happiness to come here tonight. Why? Why? I don't know, maybe some of you heard that it's gonna be food after. Maybe you want to actually learn and have an enriched intellect, which is much closer uh, to beatitude. Maybe you realize like you want the roadmap for how to get to the happiness that you're desiring. Again, toward beatitude and moral theology uh, is exactly that roadmap. Um, Maybe you're here because you just have nothing else to do on a Friday night, and that's great too, because it's engaging and stimulating the intellect, but you are choosing means towards the end. Now your end can be temporary happiness. So for example, I'm hungry right now. After we have some panko breaded shrimp and mozzarella sticks and crab cakes for dinner after this, um, I'll be not hungry, I'll be full for a little while. So I'll have a temporary happiness, but that happiness is only toward not being full, being able to function, or being able to fall asleep, which is all order to What am I going to be doing tomorrow, and the next day, the next day? So we have ends that are built, you know, certain things that we choose as an end, like eating tonight, is really just the means toward the next thing, which then is the means eventually toward achieving final, perfect, lasting happiness. So we may choose something as an end, and we choose means toward that, But even that end is just ordered toward another end. And that's ordered toward another end. Cool. So St. Thomas starts by talking about... And if we want to talk about morality, we got to start with this, right? Because um, the end, the goal, it's the last in the order of execution, but first in the order of um, the intellect. It's It's the first thing we think of, right? If I get in my car, I say, where do I want to go? I want to go to Costco. So I I pull out of the drive, I take a ride, I go straight, I go through some lights, and then I turn into the Costco parking lot. Costco was the first thing in my mind. I didn't get in the car and start taking random turns and seeing where I ended up. But it's also the last place I get. When I get to Costco, I get out of the car, right? So the end is the first in the order of intention, and it's the last in the order of execution. Um, That's why we got to start moral theology right, Because all of our actions start with the end in mind. Great. So that is a little bit about the overarching picture of um, the goal of morality. Now, the way that we act for the end is through um, human actions. And for human beings, it's free or voluntary actions. Moral actions, if you will. So we have actions. Now let's break our uh, actions into two characteristics. There's voluntary. And there's involuntary. These, voluntary, are known as human acts. And these, involuntary, uh, St. Thomas calls acts of man. It's in Latin, it it looks a lot cleaner. But basically, um, like, you know, if I kind of rub my 6 o'clock shadow that's not really there because I have such good shaving cream and a good razor. Um, But, you know, like, play play with your beard is actually the scratching your beard is an example he uses. Or other, like, nerd, like I, you know, clip my feet together sometimes. These are things that it's not voluntary. They're more kind of... Habitual, they're they're like little habits, right? Um, we are not engaging our will in that. Those are just kind of the things we do, and as a result, they are not moral actions. Um, they're just like little habits. Now that's not a good word because we're gonna get into habits a little bit later, but that's how we're gonna. So let's like we gotta sep everything else we we're gonna talk about. We gotta separate out these these little things, like clicking my feet together, like you know, sniffling, rubbing your nose you know, whatever it is, Um, flicking your hair around. Um, What we're taught, moral actions are voluntary, which means that they engage the voluntas, which is the will, and the intellect. So moral actions uh, are use the will and the intellect. We're going to get into, there's a whole big structure for how that looks. And these are human actions, because we, as human beings, have intellect and will. And so engaging our humanity in that way we have voluntary actions. Now let's take a little bit of a look at how that um, operates. It's pretty cool. I'm pulling here from uh, Father Romanes Cesario wrote a book, Introduction to Moral Theology. This is really good. And he summarizes St. Thomas in a very, very good way. Um, And so there's a little diagram here that I'm going to... But in... Human actions, the structure of the human act, is on page 119 for those listening on podcast. 119 of Romano Cesario's introduction to moral theology. Um, it's, the whole thing is the intellect and the will working together, right? The will doesn't just willy-nilly do stuff. The intellect like presents something, and the will is like, I want that, or I don't want that, right? So first there's perception, And then uh, we're going to say this is intellect, and this is will. And then there's wish. Again, these are all translation of uh, Latin terms. So first you perceive that there's a good, and then you want that good. Then you judge judgment. Is this actually good here and now for me? Um, and that is the judgment of um, synderesis or conscience. So synderesis we'll talk about, and we're going to talk about conscience. Uh, but anyway, you got to make a judgment. And then it's intention, meaning I see a good, I want it, I judge that it's a good that I can have and be okay, and so I have an intention of getting it. Then it's deliberation about the means And then you consent to the means. Um, then you make a decision on which means you're going to do, and you choose. Then you actually do it, that's command, and you apply your will to that. So your intellect says, do this, and your will is like, yeah, we're doing it. Um and then finally there's performance, performance, and completion. And then in this completion, there's a rest for the wills. Delights in what it gets. Right? So we see something is good. We want it. We judge that it's a good that we can have right now. So Let's take an example. You know, someone's got a nice bacon cheeseburger over there. It's always my example. Uh, I perceive that the bacon cheeseburger is good and I want it, but I judge that, you know what, it's Friday today and we really shouldn't be eating meat unless we do a substitute penance and I'm not doing a substitute penance. And so I judge, not happening, and boom, the process ends right there, not doing it. Um, But let's say it was Thursday, like, ooh, it's actually not Friday, it's Thursday. So I judge that I could eat that bacon cheeseburger, and then I intend to. I'm like, yep, okay, we're doing this. And so I deliberate. What's the best way? Well, I'm gonna walk over to the corner, and I'm gonna probably slice it in half, um, split up the two halves. Okay, and then um, my little consent says, like, yep, we're doing this. Right. So I've decided now. Um, you know, deliberated kind of about the means, and now boom, decided. Yep, it's going. Uh, and then choice. So we've chosen the means. It's the walk, and then we're doing it. Command, so now the intellect. Now this is like breaking down to like such minute details, stuff we do, you know. But then it's command, so it's like, yep, so let's start moving, right? And so the will applies that. Like, we're moving now, you know? Uh, you know, it's interesting. So many people don't ever get to this command, right? It's like, I've received, I want, I can do it, so I intend it. I deliberate about the means, I consent to the means, so I make a decision about what I'm doing, and I've chosen to do it, but then your feet never move, right? You just never end up doing something that you've decided. And so command is actually when we talk about the virtue of prudence next week. Uh, it, prudence relates to command, the actual K. Okay, so move your feet, and then you apply the command. Um, so then you're eating the bacon cheeseburger, and you've Now my will is satisfied. And I've done an action, an intentional, voluntary, rational action. But you see, there's this interrelation between the intellect and the will. The intellect presents... The will can't just like move on its own. The will moves toward the good. The will is ordered toward the good. Your will can't be ordered toward bad. Even if it's something that's bad for you, you want it as a form of good. For example... Like, if I want to smoke, which I know is bad for me, but I like hanging out with people that smoke, and so I want to smoke to fit in with them, you know, I'm willing it as the good. What's the good that I want? I'm choosing social good over health, right? And so you're still always choosing the good. The will always chooses the good. We are going to run way out of time. Holy moly. Okay. Um... For an action to be a good action. I hope somebody wrote that down, because I'm erasing this beautiful diagram. But Father Romanus has it in the book, and it's very good. For, the, for an action to be a good action, um, we judge all moral actions on three things. Object, intention, intention, And circumstance. Okay, object, intention, and circumstance. And for an action to be a good action, all three of these have to be good. For an action to be a bad action, any one of the three um, can be off. So let's take um, the bacon cheeseburger. Good. Right, so bacon cheeseburger is in its essence a good object, right? It's, it's a good, there's nothing wrong intrinsically with bacon cheeseburger. So we got a good object and I've got the right intention. I'm not eating for gluttonous purposes. I'm not eating, um, you know, to just, I'm not eating it in order to, so someone else can't eat it. Like it's a good intention. I wanna be nourished, good intention. And it's the right circumstances, which today is not. But it's the right circumstance. It's the right time and place to eat. Um, Boom. Object, intention, circumstance, all good. It's a good action. If you change any one of these, it becomes an evil action. Okay? So we can't really talk about it with regard to the bacon cheeseburger for object. So we'll talk about object and come back. But let's say, you know, bacon cheeseburger, good object. But I got a bad intention. Meaning... I just want to eat that cheeseburger so Brittany can't. Like, Brittany wants it. I don't want her to have it. So I'm going to race over there and gobble up the bacon cheeseburger, not because I want it, because I don't want someone else to have it. Bad intention. Even though it's a Thursday, uh, hypothetically, and it's the right time and place and everything. So you have right circumstance, right object, bad intention. This is a bad action. It's an evil action. Now let's say, I got the good intention though, good object, bacon cheeseburger, good intention. I just, I'm hungry and it's not for some kind of wicked intention, but it's today, it's a Friday. So you know what, bad circumstance, it's not the right time and place. Bad circumstance makes the whole thing an evil action. Um, Or let's say I am not here in the classroom, let's say I'm in the middle of the church. Right? Should I be gobbling up a bacon cheeseburger in the middle of a space, you know, designated for the worship of God? No. Bad circumstance, bad time and place, it's a bad action, okay? So object, intention, circumstance, intention or circumstance could even take a good object and make it into a bad action. A bad object, let's take murder. I want to murder someone, hypothetically, right? is always, cold-blooded murder, always, it's a bad object. And again, a bad, even if it's, look, I've got good intentions. I am Dexter, and I'm, I want to serial kill serial killers, right? I've got a good intention, and it's the right time and place to murder someone, but it's a bad object? Even Even a good intention and a good circumstance can't make a bad object a good action. Great example of this is the television show Breaking Bad, where Walter White, for a seemingly good intention to get money for his family, cooks meth. Bad object. Can't cook meth. It's not good, right? So even though he's doing it, oh, I got a right intention, and he's trying to do it in a safe way, it's a bad object, and therefore these are bad, evil actions. You can't do a bad thing with a good intention and say it's somehow good. It's not. Morally speaking, you need object, intention, and circumstance to all be good for something to be called a good action. Cool? Great. So let's keep moving on with this. Object, intention, circumstance. Uh, Now let's talk a little bit about how we know um, whether something is good or bad. And so this is where we're going to break off a little out of those secunda pars, because St. Thomas talks about conscience in the prima pars. So let's talk a little bit about consciences. conscience. We are not even a third of the way done, but we're going to finish at 7 o'clock. Don't be worried. Conscience. Conscience for St. Thomas is a judgment of the practical intellect. Conscience isn't a power. When we're talking about St. Thomas, we're not talking about conscience is a power. This idea that conscience is like Jiminy Cricket who's going to tell me the right thing to it's little voice inside me. Conscience isn't any of that. That's baloney. Conscience is a judgment of the practical intellect. Now, I said we're going to get back to this word synderesis. Synderesis. Synderesis is kind of the primary operating principle by which we make moral decisions. And synderesis, the, the primary operating principle that we perceive by cenderesis is go, do good and avoid evil, right? Like that is we should do good actions and we should avoid evil actions. Um, and that is the primary operating principle. So I'm going to take off my sweater because it's getting a little warm in here and I'm talking a lot. So synderesis, do good, avoid evil. It's the... Boom. We, we perceive that we should do good and avoid evil. Now, what conscience does, all conscience does is takes all the information that we know about the moral law and what is good and evil, and it takes all the information I know about this particular circumstance, and conscience just simply gives a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Green light, red light. Right? That's all conscience does. It judges Whether you can morally do this action and still be doing good and avoiding evil or not. So, let's take an example. Um, There's a delicious, juicy bacon cheeseburger in the corner of the room. We're going to get sick of this example, but it it works, right? We're seeing it from a lot of different angles. And my conscience says, okay, look, it's okay to eat a bacon cheeseburger. And it is, in the past, we've always enjoyed it. It's not going to make you sick. You're not allergic to it. There's no one else who's starving here that needs it more than you do. Um, but hey, it's Friday. Like conscience takes in like today is Friday. Don't eat it, right? That's how uh, conscience, it says, thumbs down, don't do it. Now here's the thing, conscience, judgment, we talked about when we had the chart up, is not command. Meaning con- you can disobey your conscience. Conscience says red light, and you can just blow right through it. That's up to you. Or you could say, conscience, again, isn't command. So conscience gives you the green light and says, sure, you could have that, I may say, okay, thanks, conscience, but, you know, I think I'm going to pass right now because I want to fast, right? So even though conscience says, yeah, it's okay, you can do that, you, can, you don't have to do it once your conscience says do this." Like, your conscience says either you can or you shouldn't do this, right? You should or you shouldn't do you can or you shouldn't. We're going to keep it like that um, because it doesn't say you should do this, it says you can do this. You're not going to get, this is morally okay, right? The primary way that your con, now your conscience can be wrong, right? You could not know the law. So if you don't know the law, you don't know. Most people don't know that Catholics aren't supposed to eat meat on Fridays without uh, substituting a different penance during the year, right? On Lent, you know you're not supposed to eat meat. Most people don't realize that all year long, you're not supposed to eat meat on Friday unless you substitute a different penance. If you didn't know the law, all these years having juicy bacon cheeseburgers on Friday, your conscience has been like, yeah, you can do that. Because you didn't know the law. Okay. Um, So your conscience is wrong, right? Your conscience gives you a green light, but it's wrong. Here's another example. Walking out of this room, you may see this very nice iPhone 10 right here, and stick it in your pocket, thinking that's your iPhone. Did you take my iPhone? Yes. Did your conscience tell you that's an okay thing to do? Yes, because you thought it was your phone. Was your conscience right? No, you took my phone. But your conscience didn't realize—you didn't realize it was my phone instead of your phone. This happens all the time. We accidentally. Barrett and I actually have the exact same computer, the exact same model MacBook Pro, and so she and I, our computers were sitting right next to each other on the desk the other night when I was leaving, and I'm like. I don't know which one is mine. And so I opened it up and checked, and I actually opened up hers, so I took the other one. But, like, if I would have taken the wrong computer, would my conscience have said, yeah, Father Casey, take that computer, that's all set? But would I have actually taken Barrett's computer? Yes. So it would have been wrong. My conscience would have been, it should have said, hey, that's not yours. Don't take that. But it was wrong with regard to the data of what's actually happening in reality. So your conscience is just a judgment. That's all it is. It's not a voice. It's not a power. It doesn't move you. That's prudence with the command. It just gives you either a green light or a red light. That's all it does. Great, um, good. Well, there we go. So now we have, we talked about end. We've talked about action. Now let's talk about the sources of action. Um, and we got internal and external. Okay, so internal is uh, when we have powers, um, which basically it's just the, the you have a will, you have um, the ability to do stuff. Then you have what's called hobby tooths and then for external, oh, whoa, whoa, hold on, Father Casey. Okay, never mind. We're supposed to talk about the passions a little bit um, on my outline. I can't talk about it for too long because we are running out of time. Um, passions. So let's talk about passions for just a minute. Then we're going to get back to internal and external sources of emotion. Passions. Sometimes, did I just mess up all your notes? Oh, no! Dang it! Okay. That's why you take notes and pencil. Is that a pencil? No. Um, he <laughs> uh... Okay, anyway, we're going to get back to that. So, basic, very easy about passions. Sometimes we get moved by stuff, right? If there's a line in this room, I'm like, whew, I'm afraid, right? You get moved by um, things. And that's passio. So it's like, when, how, my, the way I react... To those things um, are the passions, and we have the concupiscible, concupiscible, and the irascible. Okay, so the concupiscible passions are um, love and hatred, uh, joy and sorrow, or delight and pain, and so that is um, like if there's a if there's a good there. Love is like, yeah, no, I, I really like, I love a good bacon cheeseburger, right? I, I ha- Or if there's like something I don't like. Um, here, I'm going to read a little bit from Father Nicholas, Nicholas Lombardo wrote a book called The Logic of Desire, um, and this, taught, this is a whole book about St. Thomas Aquinas and emotions. It's very good. It's very theological, very rich, but um, it's a good book. So that's Father Nicholas Lombardo. Uh, The Logic of Desire. And here he uh, talks about the passions. So if we see like a good object, there's something good, but it's a, then we, we, it inspires in us love. But if it's an absent good, meaning, um, there's not a bacon cheeseburger in here right now. It's an absent good. So what do I have? Desire, right? Um, But if it's a present good, like heat, Right? There's a good in this room that we perceive, that this room is heated and it's below zero. It's it's below freezing outside, not below zero. Um, Let's run the metric system, then it's below zero, listeners in Australia. Um, If it's a present good, then we take pleasure in it. Right? So um, we have about easy goods. We have love, which goes to desire or pleasure. Now, if it's a bad, again, either it is a present evil, at which point we're gonna have sorrow, right? So we would call like, it's cold, and it actually is cold in here. Then my passion at that is sorrow. I'm not happy it's cold here. If it's an absent evil, then we're gonna have um, aversion. Meaning, it's cold outside and not in here. And so I don't want to go outside right now, right? These are kind of the natural responses to the goods and evils around us. So if it's good and it's an easy, concupiscible is all it's easy goods, right? We're talking about um, simple, easy, hot, cold, hungry, full, all that. Now the irascible are with more difficult goods or difficult evils. So, um, we got a good and we got an evil. And if it's a good that it seems possible to obtain, then we have hope. Right? I think I may be able to learn all this stuff. It's going to be difficult, but I think I can do it. It's possible to do it. If it's a good that's impossible to obtain, then we have despair. Now, hope, the virtue of hope is different than the passion of hope. Um, but I have despair. You know what, Father Casey, I'm never gonna understand this. I can tell that it's good stuff and I wanna learn it, but I'm never gonna understand it. That is despair. I recognize a good, a difficult good, but I don't think I'm gonna be able to get it. Now, if we have an evil, a, um, a difficult future evil, but it seems possible to overcome it, then we have daring. This is a great one, I love daring. Um, And if it's a difficult future evil, um, like a bad evil, and it seems impossible to overcome, then I have fear, right? So, um, these are the concupiscible, um, again, if we have good evil, Daring, that's, uh, yes, that's daring. I don't have good handwriting. Um, It, um, so daring, like if it's a, it's, it looks really bad. So you know what? It's the beginning of the semester. So like I'm starting a class and this looks like it's going to be a terrible exam, but I think I can overcome it. I'm daring. I've got daring. If I, it's going to be a bad exam and I'm definitely going to fail, I have fear. But it's a good class and I want to pass it. And I think I can do that. I have hope. But it's a good class and I really don't think I have a chance of learning the material I have to spare. And then finally, in um, cognition of an arduous present evil with hope of overcoming. Um, its Present evil deals with anger, right? So that so these are future evils. This is like a present evil, but it's a, it's a bad. Someone is just, you know, doing the wrong thing. And, and so again, if, if there were people eating cheeseburgers in our church and I was going to have to go be like, get the heck out of here. What are you doing? It is a difficult, present evil, but that I have the um, that I have hope of overcoming, meaning anger is spurring me toward like, go do something about that. Let's go. Right. Anger is not always bad. It's bad when we let it motivate us too much. So our passions are going to be governed by the virtue of temperance when we talk about it next time. That's my really short uh, introduction to passions. What do you got, Julia? You said something about absent evil. Yeah. So if it's a, Did you say? so a a um, future evil um, cognition of a of a arduous no uh, absent evil is in the concupiscible. Sorry. So in the concupiscible, it's like it's an absent evil. So I have aversion to that meaning. It's not cold right now, right? I I recognize that the cold outside is, to my 98 degree body, an evil. And it's not cold right now. And I don't want to go outside. I have aversion. It's an absent evil that I really don't want to experience. I don't want to go from this state of heat to that state of cold. So I am averse. I have aversion for that. All right. Does that make a little bit of sense? Great. Let's go now to the habit, to the sources of action. And we're going to just blow through some of this, even though it's the coolest stuff, but mainly because we're going to be talking about it later on. So uh, we have internal source of action and external. Internal, we have habitus. And a habitus is either good or bad. If it's good, we call it a virtue. If it's bad, we call it a vice. We're going to talk about these um, a lot. We're going to talk about them in the specifics next week. External sources of action are the law and grace. Whew! What time is it? Oh, uh, yeah, we got like nine minutes to cover all this stuff. Holy moly. Okay. Habitus. We can use the English word habit, but hobby is uh, more than just like a habit. Right? I I talk like clicking my feet together as a habit. Hobby is a um, it's an acquired um, or bestowed skill. So I have the hobby of speaking English right now. It means I have the the ability. I have I've learned to speak English. And I have the ability to anche ce I l'abito have the l'italiano posso fare Italian. Uh, um, I can do all this in Italian, there's no problem. We della all the explanations of moral intelligence, the sources of internal movements that are good habits or bad um, I have learned the ability to speak Italian. Uh, when you have a habitus, it allows you to act Promptly, easily, and joyfully, right? So I can switch into Italian like that if I want to. Similarly, um, Sarah can hop on the organ and just play something without having to like super, uh, you know, no, no, it's prompt and it's, it's easy. Actually, you know what? Like actions should get easier for us as time goes on. And it's joyful. I, I enjoy speaking. It's not something that I'm like, you know, to do all of this in Spanish is mas dificil y quizás no hay mucho alegría en este porque es mas dificil. When something's harder, when it's not as easy, then it's not as joyful oftentimes. We don't get as much fruition from it. Okay, so good habits are virtues. Bad habits are vices. Um, and so uh, a good habit is what allows us to move toward the good and choose the good promptly, easily, and joyfully. We call those virtues. Um, Now, we're going to break down, we're going to get into all the virtues um, next week. And then virtues usually have a contrary vice, by which I choose evil promptly, easily, with a degree of joy. And so if I have a vice of, for example, if you're a liar, Like, the first time you tell a lie, maybe it's, like, a little hard to come up with a decent lie. But as you lie a lot more, you get a lot better at it, right? You actually become better at doing bad um, when we have um, a vice. You're actually, like, getting good at doing what's wrong, and that's not good. So we have um, habituated action toward the good is called virtue. Habituated action toward evil is called vice. Great. Um, We're not going to spend too much time on this right now because this is basically going to be our entire time next week. Um, Another internal source of motion, well, sort of, are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. These are included in moral theology. And they are, um, they perfect the virtue. Right, And so again, we're going to talk about the gifts that relate to the particular virtues next week. But the gifts of the Holy Spirit allow us to be moved. Um, we really move, but also God is the source of motion, so we have the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which lead us toward good action. Um, St. Thomas talks about sin in all of this, um, but we really have like not a lot of time. Just you know, a, an evil action is sinful. Right? So if you... Um, Deliberately choose a bad object or with a bad intention or a bad circumstance. It's what we call a sin. And to be habituated towards sinning is vice. Vice makes sinning easier. And it doesn't make it less bad because you just do it more. It makes sinning a lot easier. Um, really quick, really quick. When you have a vice, vice is the additional way that your conscience can get something wrong. Right, because with your conscience, going back to that with vice, with a vice, you have convinced yourself that your bad action is actually good. What does that mean? Let's take a, a neutral example. Sleeping in, okay? I have the vice of sleeping in. I, I don't as much, but let's say I did. Sleeping in. And I've convinced myself that this vice of being lazy and not getting up on time and being late for stuff I've actually convinced myself that this is good for me, right? It's good. Nine extra minutes taken eight different times is that's good for me to get the, that extra sleep in the morning, even though I have places I'm going to be and I'm going to be late and it's going to be bad. You know, I've convinced myself that this is good. So when my conscience goes to say, hey, Father Casey, should you hit the snooze button for the 11th time this morning or not? Conscience is going to say, oh no, this is actually good for you. Like, this is, you need this. And it's conscience is actually going to give you a thumbs up. It's going to give you the green light. You do it. You know, um, this happens as well with regard to like, um, you know, having the vice of, of drinking, of alcohol, drinking alcohol too much. It's like, oh no, you know what? I need to have like an eighth drink because it makes me a better person, right? And your conscience is like, yeah, go for it. It makes you a better person. Whereas everyone around you is going to be like, you turn into a total fool. Like, this is not good for you. You need to stop. Your conscience is actually saying, this is good for you, right? Because you've acquired a vice. You, you're, you've warped your intellect to thinking that something that's bad is actually good, and that's what vice does. It warps your intellect into thinking something that's bad is good. Now, cool little chart here. Oh, man, okay. Cool little chart. Virtue. No, nope, never mind. Stop the chart. Note for the record, we're going to talk about the chart next week. Okay, next week we're going to talk about the chart with regard to virtue, vice, and then we actually have two other ones in here called continence and incontinence. Okay, so we're going to talk about all this under temperance next week, but just so you know, It's coming up. Let's get into the external sources of um, action. And that is the law and grace. So the law is the fact that um, we are moved by means of law. That God, uh, there's different types of law. I'm going to read this right out of the Summa. The law guides us toward good action. Right? So as I'm learning to drive, I may like want to have a lead foot. And the law is like, hey, Father Casey, drive 65 on the highway. I'm like, no, I can go 90. It's no problem. The law says, drive 65. It's safer. Right? So the law um, helps us along. St. Thomas says, we have now to consider the extrinsic principles of Acts. Now, the extrinsic uh, inclined to evil is the devil whose temptations we spoke of in the first part. okay? But the extrinsic principles moving to to good is God who both instructs us by means of his law and assists us by his grace. Um, Now, the law uh, is broken into four different laws that we'll talk about. Um, The law is, there's eternal law, natural law, divine law, and human law. And then you also have the law of sin, which is kind of contrary to this. Um, All right, so the eternal law is that God wrote his law into creation. That when God created, um, yes, God wrote his law into creation. God wrote, like, creation has reason that was written into it and, like, you know, there's the law, we say, of, of gravity is a natural law, but, like, I'm going to drop that and it's going to fall. Um, you know, there's eternal law. There's order that's written into creation. Even the moral order is part of that, that certain actions are good and certain actions are evil. It's all written into creation. Uh, that's God's ordinance of reason that you created reasonably. That's eternal law. That's God's eternal rational designing principle. Um, so eternal law. Now, when I know the eternal law, the human being's ability to know the eternal law that God wrote into creation is what we call natural law, right? So natural law is not a different law than eternal law. Natural law is the human being's participation in the eternal law by a recognition of um, this is good, this is evil. And then like, we get, like, don't cold-blooded murder people. God wrote that into creation and our natural cognition of that is natural law. Um, it's that we, it's our participation in the eternal law. Now, in order to instruct us in the eternal law, God realizes that we're thick, stupid human beings. And so there's the divine law, that God like commands certain things that are principles of the eternal law, but that maybe we're just either going to be too stupid or stubborn to get on our own. And so God says, like, thou shalt not kill, right? It's still natural law, because it's written into eternal law, and we know that naturally, but God also says, don't do this, right? On his own authority. And then human law is that as human beings, we as well make laws to guide human action. And so guess what? Murder is against the human law in the United States of America, Um, which I need to follow as well. Um, And so, don't murder people is the order written into creation, which we know naturally, God told us in the Ten Commandments, which the United States of America is also enshrined in its law. So all these four laws, don't see them as like so different from each other. Some of them, like divine and human, have the different spheres of jurisdiction, um, but they're all related. And then what's called the law of sin means that Sin has its own kind of rules by which it plays. And therefore there's um, the ordinances of sin. Okay, final point. Whew, we're getting there. Final point is grace. That God assists us by his grace. So how do we act well? Do good actions, virtues, and vices. How do we follow the law? God doesn't just move us from the outside by saying, do this and don't do that. God, by his grace, strengthens us to be able to do the good, right? So this is cool, because God doesn't just move us outside. God moves us from the inside by his grace, which gives us the ability to act um, well, to, to, to do the right thing. Um, and so it's by God's grace... That he uh, moves us toward the good. And then that's all the virtues that we have, the the infused virtues and the gifts of the Holy Spirit and their movement in us is all grace. Grace is many times called the new law. It's the new law of grace, which is written um, on the heart. Uh, It's it's God kind of moving us internally. And so even like when I'm in a situation, I don't know if it's against the law or not. like, God God can be moving us internally to know the good, and then to, not only just to know the good, but to actually do the good, right? Because there's a difference between knowing the good and doing the good. So God can move us to do the good. Whew! Um, okay, so this is a very, very quick introduction of everything that's in this book, the Prima Secundae of St. Thomas Aquinas. Um... When we meet next week, like I said, we're going to go more into the specifics of virtue and vice. And then it's possible, so we're not going to meet like the two weeks after that, because one is Valentine's Day and one is the Archbishop's Beer Tasting Party. And so the week after that, um, we may, to finish up February, we may go with um, the Ten Commandments. And we may do a, a lesson as well on the Ten Commandments, okay? So, um... Great. I'm going to stop the recording, and then we'll take time for questions so that you don't get your questions recorded if they're not the best. Thank you.